0: you are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production.
1: We draw the parallel all the time about launch. You know, some people will joke that launch is like the finish line. Not even close. It's absolutely the starting line. And we're like, we're running the marathon now, right? Like, we're we're partway through the race. We're figuring out like, how do we get through the uphills and the downhills and the strategy of it all? But I think, you know, especially at Next, we definitely have a team that's disproportionately comprised of athletes, not all endurance athletes, but athletes of all kinds of different flavors, because not only do we feel like that helps to really understand who we're building the product for, But as a virtual company, I mean, you know, athletes tend to be self-starters. They tend to be very self-driven. And if you're in a virtual company, like, that's who we all need to be. That was Meredith
0: Cass. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Meredith Cass, CEO and founder of Nix Biosensors, the game-changing consumer hydration biosensor company responsible for pioneering a revolutionary biosensor and app that measures hydration levels in real time from sweat amount to electrolyte loss. This innovation is sweeping the sports and endurance sports landscape, as well as helping soldiers and laborers monitor their hydration needs and avoid the negative effects of dehydration. Meredith was just included on Inc.'s 2023 Female Founder 200 list, a group of leaders whose innovations and leadership are creating positive change in the world. Meredith founded Nix with a mission to change the way we practice healthcare by providing new tools to help consumers access, understand, and act on their personal biology outside of traditional settings of healthcare. Meredith and I sync up about Nix Biosensors, where the idea for the company and Hydration Biosensor began, the connection between sweat and electrolyte loss to athletic performance, and how this varies for everyone. We talk about the many benefits and biometrics that Nix Hydration Biosensor has to offer and how the company is growing. We also sync up about the exercise and wellness that fuel Meredith for success, the nine plus marathons, including the world majors that she has done and what race is next on her calendar. We also sync up about what she's reading and watching in her spare time. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Just head over to the app, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through the episodes, click on the five stars, and click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, feel free to share this conversation on your social channels. Take a screenshot, post it, tag us, tag Nick's Biosensors, we'll tag you back. All right, now on to our conversation. Tell me about Nick's hydration and how you started this super game-changing company.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, no, it's um it's been a really interesting path. I actually come from the healthcare side of the world. So, um, and spending a lot of that time actually in venture capital. So thinking about where the unmet needs in healthcare, um, which may see a, seem a little bit of a far cry from, from where Nix has landed with our hydration sensor, but the vision, broader speaking, is actually about empowering consumers with health and wellness data on a day-to-day basis so that they can make those health and wellness decisions for themselves outside a traditional setting of care. So I'd worked in the healthcare industry for years, again, mostly from the venture side of things, um, and then had the opportunity to be an entrepreneur in residence. um, And the concept of Nix is where I felt like the major unmet need was.
0: So what did you, like, how did this come to you? Like, just in terms of creating this kind of biosensor for hydration?
1: It was a hybrid. I mean, first and foremost, from the healthcare side of the world and understanding the legitimacy and the um, validity of these different biomarkers and samples like sweat or tears or saliva, things especially that are non-invasive if you're thinking about consumer use. um, There was that fascination. And then, you know, I had this entrepreneur-in-residence opportunity as I was starting to become a bit of a runner. So I had played basketball in college you know, like a lot of type A people, I picked up endurance sports in my thirties. Uh, so I, at that point, I think maybe I'd run two, three marathons, something like that was very much struggling to dial in my hydration. Didn't really have a great sense if that was just me or if there were others that were having that same problem. And so this opportunity gave me the chance to really start to do that research right. like, it can't possibly be just me. And so I started kind of doing that research, not just with endurance athletes, but team sports athletes, Um, We think about the military and the need case there. We think about laborers and like worker safety. And so before I knew it, we sort of had this kind of bolus of validation that hydration management is actually quite hard. It's not really as simple as just drink more water.
0: Are you seeing a lot of athletes use the product?
1: We are. And athletes of all kinds, which I think is really surprising. So, you know, as a small company, as an early stage company, um, it's really about being laser focused and who we're going after, who we're targeting the product for and optimizing the product for that user's experience. Cause you can imagine a, a marathoner and a football player would probably use the product really differently. So we tried to be very disciplined in developing it for an endurance athlete, which we define as running cycling and triathlon. Yeah. And then as soon as we started selling the product, I mean, we've got. NHL teams buying the product. We've got, you know, worker safety teams. We've got research teams. We've got literally R&D teams at consumer companies buying it. And it's, it's blowing our minds the number of use cases that we hadn't really initially intended upon.
0: I'm not surprised to hear that you've got like major sports teams like the NFL using the product.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and we also see, I mean, it's two sides, right? It's it's which are the organizations and sports are a little bit more tech forward, like you're saying, and more, you know, forward thinking with respect to the physiology and getting into the science, um, the other side of it is also just thinking about like the, the need case is not necessarily identical yeah. for one use case to the other. So ironically, having been a college basketball player, I would argue that's maybe not one of the higher need cases because yeah. you're probably in a climate controlled arena right. and, you know, or at least, you know, a, a private gym, if you're like, you know, I just made it sound like I was playing fancy basketball. I was not in division three, but, uh, you're but the working. idea Yeah, you're still working. And especially if you're sprinting up and down, like this is the other nature of um, we don't think about this, for example, with respect to hockey is it's this, you know, hit type workout, right? High intensity interval type workout that you're going to be sweating the most. And so the fluids that you're losing are going to be higher in that use case, for example, in hockey, again, perhaps a little counterintuitive because, of course, hockey rinks are, are usually quite cold. But to your point, sweating doesn't mean your body's necessarily cooling. If you're wearing heavy layers, if you're wearing equipment, you know, the real key behind thinking about quantifying fluid and electrolyte losses is that guessing isn't really the right strategy, right? Guessing is going to lead you to get it wrong.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's, and everyone has a different rate at which they sweat and they also have different levels of electrolytes that they sweat more than others. So
1: Absolutely. You know, when you
0: start to think about hydration, like how is Nix solving that problem? Yeah.
1: I mean, literally we're quantifying exactly what you just described. So like you and I could go for a run together. I'm in Boston. So weather here's probably not terribly different from what you're experiencing where you are in New York, but we could go for a run together at the same pace on the same day and have completely different sweat profiles. That I think is intuitive to most athletes, right? We've all, you know, been on a run or a workout or whatever with a colleague and one of us is drenched and the other one is not. What's maybe a little less intuitive is that our um, concentration of our sweat is actually correlated to our sweat rate. So if I go for a run today when it's overcast and cold and windy, it's going to be completely different than when I go for a run and it's hot and humid um, and I'm sweating a lot faster. My concentration of my sweat is higher when my sweat rate is higher.
0: And that is one of the things that I love about the NYX Hydration Biosensor is that you get to do this sweat test, which is really a lot more next level and than your the sweat test that people have done in the past in terms of yeah. going to the gym or going out on a workout, weighing on a scale, checking you know that that is definitely one kind of way to do it, but not as effective as NYX hydration. but what I like about the sweat test is that it comes with the four pods you can, and you can always buy more and they're very reasonably priced that you can always kind of be testing your sweat levels in different climates, which is important because it's always going to be different.
1: It's always going to be different based on the climate, like you just said, based on the intensity of your workout. Yeah. Um, but based on other factors too, I mean, we've had early, um, users, inclu- including, our beta users, who would literally put themselves through the exact same workout, let's say a Zwift workout, identical workout on two different days in the same room in their house at the same temperature and have completely different um, loss profiles. And that's just real. It's just those are are the realities of thermoregulation. It's going to be different every day.
0: And so now you offer this data in real time. So you can do something about it while it's happening as well, which is super valuable. So talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yep, that's the very core of the value proposition is when we started talking to athletes and I personally, philosophically, I believe you need to understand every nuance of the problem that you're trying to solve before you try to go engineer the solution to it. Um, So we did a ton of research early on of like how are athletes hydrating currently? How are they making those decisions? When are they making those decisions? Are they bringing fluids with them? Are they relying on water stops? Like how is all that decision-making done? And then specifically asked athletes, What would be the most helpful data and in what moment as you're making those hydration strategy decisions and the overarching feedback we heard was just tell me what to do and when to do it. So we did develop the real time interface to try to be exactly that simple, like a little coach in your ear or on your wrist or wherever that data is coming through for you to say drink six ounces now kind of thing, right? So you can get the real time notifications in the moment that you need to be rehydrating
0: are now you're now available on Garmin. So talk to me about right. a little bit about that and some of the other platforms that people can use if you know, if they have a watch or something and they're checking in on their hydration while they're doing a workout.
1: Yeah, our philosophy is that, especially as a new product in a new category of product, we need to meet athletes where they already are. So if they're on an Apple watch, if they're on a Garmin watch, if they're on a Garmin bike computer, whatever device they're on, that's where we want our data to show up. Um, We just think that makes for a more seamless user experience. And so those are the integrations we've prioritized. We have a list of probably about another half dozen devices that we're excited to continue integrating with, Um, but really trying to, again, meet that athlete where they already are.
0: And then you know, have you talked to me a little bit about the science behind hydration and what athletes and just fitness goers in general should be looking at and and also, what do you think about that like where do you, yeah
1: Yeah, I'm happy to address that. I mean, this is the part that's hard about hydration is the the connection between dehydration and performance impairment has long been understood for decades, literally going back to like the fifties and sixties. We've understood that if you get dehydrated, your endurance performance and your strength performance are impaired. What's been a little more controversial is at what point in that dehydration, like at what level of dehydration are you going to experience that impairment? Should you be replenishing every ounce that's been lost, um, you know, throughout a given workout or electrolytes, the reason you might be cramping, or is it fluid related or is it heat related? Um, these are all super controversial topics. And I, I guess I feel like Nix is not here to make that decision for right. anybody, especially this question about, you know, if you've lost 30 ounces of fluids over the course of a race, should you be replenishing all 30 ounces? We're not necessarily here to settle that score. We're here to give you the data upon which to make that decision for yourself. That's great.
0: I mean, it's, you know, it's over the decades, we know calories in equal calories out. And that's a formula that a lot of people can wrap their heads around. Personally, from my own experience, not being a scientist, being an athlete, I can see a tremendous difference and having the insight and data to kind of let me know what's going on is is invaluable for my training yeah. because I, I don't yeah. have a problem then like I I get ahead of it exactly and this is also great for people who are taking fitness classes or just to kind of get a sense of where they're at because I think as performance athletes running triathlon cycling we're a little bit more dialed when it comes to that but for class goers, it could also be really great for recovery.
1: Totally agree. I think we think about that, especially um, I'm a little bit more of like a middle of the packer. I suspect most of the athletes I interact with, including yourself, are probably a little more front of the pack. Uh-huh, back of the pack. Um, <laughs> we really feel like, I mean, the physiology is identical, whether you're making the podium or you're you know, catching the sweep bus, right? Like either way, your body needs to keep itself cool. It's doing that through sweat. There are electrolytes in that sweat. And if you want to perform optimally, you've got to replenish, you know, some significant proportion of those. And that physiology is true no matter what level of athlete you are. It's also true regardless of what, you know, activity or sport you're practicing. So I think there are certain sports, as we were saying earlier, where the risk of dehydration is maybe a little higher where the consequences of dehydration are perhaps more profound. You can think about like a motorsports athlete who's in a car that can make it up to 150, 160 degrees Fahrenheit, while they're driving, you know, in excess, well, in excess of 100 miles an hour.
0: Oh, are you doing anything with Formula One?
1: We are, yeah, we are, and that's the other beautiful thing about what we're doing is we get to see, by virtue of the folks that reach out to us to partner, we get to see how we rank those those need cases. So interesting. Yeah.
0: So what are you that's seeing? A- like, how? Like, any kind of cool data?
1: oh my God, we have data coming out of our ears right now and only having launched recently, but you can imagine, like, think of all the anecdotal things that we think we know about um, thermoregulation and sweat. Like, do men really sweat more than women? Do runners sweat more than cyclists? We can quantify all that now. And so we're just, we're having a ball just calling the data that's now coming in through the app. Obviously, you know, in aggregate and anonymously, we're not, you know, publishing anybody's sort of private information, but using that to further what we know about sweat science is really exciting right now.
0: So are you working on publishing some papers around that?
1: We are. Yeah, we're starting with uh, we're so excited. I mean, we're starting with just white papers on the website, but we do have a um, a poster at the upcoming American College of Sports Medicine conference this spring in Denver.
0: I saw something in Instagram. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yep. So we're really excited. I mean, you know, again, it's you alluded to this earlier, they've been able to capture this type of data in um, research labs and environmental labs in the past, but to be able to now do that on site in the field, um, you know, in, in true representative conditions, I think is a real step forward.
0: All right. Hope you are enjoying this conversation. Just jumping in here to give a shout out to today's sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at InsideTracker.com slash move. Also, shout out to Revitin. Revitin. is my go-to when it comes to toothpaste and oral health. I have been using it for years. Revitin is a prebiotic toothpaste that is an all-natural, vitamin and mineral-rich formulation that gently cleanses, whitens teeth, and freshens breath while helping to restore gums and reduce harmful plaque. It's free of SLS, synthetic detergents, or additives and contains no harsh chemicals, fluoride, artificial colors, sweeteners, or dyes. Created by biologic dentist Dr. Jerry Curitola when he recognized the need for a new and effective oral care product that could support sustainable health within the mouth. Revitin fosters a balanced oral environment with beneficial microorganisms that optimize nutrient absorption and act as the body's first line of defense. The oral microbiome is the gateway to optimal full body health. So make sure you take care of it with a great toothpaste that does not have fluoride or harmful chemicals. Get started now with Revitin Prebiotic Toothpaste. Use our code Marnie15 at Revitin.com. To jumpstart your health. That's M-A-R-N-I 1515 at revitin, dot ncom Now back to our conversation. Yeah. And so back to your running level, I'm back of the pack. Last night I did this race in New York. Have you ever heard of Take the Bridge? Yeah. So I joined, I dropped into this race and I was like, I'm just going to do it as a run. And you know, it's in the dark, and we're in New York City, and, but it's not really that dark, New York City, because every right. light, every street is lit, but it was so much fun, but I was, I mean, I was, like, first of all, probably the oldest person running at, like, <laughs> weighing, at, at, like, 50, and then, you know, like, the <laughs> slowest person, there were, like, five women that I actually ended up catching and running with. I can't, it was, like, five and a half miles, and I think I had, like, two nine-and-a-half-minute miles in there. But, like, that – I mean, for me, I was just running and not trying to die. Yeah. That's, like, I wasn't racing. If I was on a track, I might have gone a little faster. <laughs> but, like, it was, yeah. re- it was really fun. I don't know. But I was definitely – I think in that, I was back of the pack. You know? Like, there were seven, yeah. seven out of 70 women. I mean, they just emailed me to, to, like, double-check my time on the Garmin. Yeah, I was probably, like, the slowest person but that was, that was awesome. I think, in a triathlon, works. yeah, I think i yeah. in triathlon on middle of the pack though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I think the other thing that's interesting, and this was something we did not expect at all when we launched was thinking about how people were going to use our platform. We kind of assumed people would use it maybe once a week for that long run, long ride on the weekend, yeah. Yeah. those other workouts where it's, you know, we'll think about it as like, you know, kind of dress rehearsal for race day. What we were not expecting, so not surprisingly, Saturdays are the most popular days for people to log a workout with our platform. Second most popular day is actually Tuesday, which what kind of workout would, like for me as a runner, Tuesday might be like my tempo day or my speed work day. Yeah, so what that that suggests to me is that people are already tuning into the fact that they would expect their data to be different on a Saturday long run versus a Tuesday speed work run. And in fact, it is. So I just think that's fascinating, whether it's, you know whether it's a you know a more leisurely run like you were doing last night or one where you're really training with intent you can now quantify that sweat profile and the difference between those scenarios Ooh, really fascinating
0: yeah i didn't think of that cuz i've been using yeah. it on my long runs yeah and so now are you still running
1: i do i do run i fell off the cliff a little bit over covid i did my ninth marathon um, a couple months before covid and then um you know i was one of those casualties right running a startup launching a product i got married yeah. Uh, so I still run um a little bit indoors, a little bit outdoors. Um, my husband's trying to get me into yoga. He's not being very successful with that. It's not really what my body wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's pretty much how I try to practice like physical fitness. And then I'm really, really big on sort of mental health and mental fitness. So and what do you, do? you know a lot of meditation, a lot of, you know, for me, I, I now live in the burbs. So I get to just be out in nature. I really try. I'm a, you know, follower of um, a lot of different podcasts, especially um, Dr. Huberman. And oh, so I really I think Huberman. about like, Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. So like, how do I make sure I'm getting like the right routine with respect to sunlight and fresh air and, certainly sleep um, I think every one of us has disordered sleep so those are kind of the metrics that I'm trying to optimize right now
0: who do you do you do like Bob Roth for meditation or are you on an app or what like what's your practice for meditation? Yeah.
1: I want to do my own thing. Um, I grew up going to Quaker school, so we always practice like silent meeting. Um, so I've always, silence has always been, and silent worship has always been a part of my regular routine. So um, I just try to now use that in a more meditative state. Um, if I can do it every day, great. As an entrepreneur, I don't always have that luxury, but that's I try to it.
0: I mean, that that's amazing. And do you do any like intermittent fasting or anything like that? Are you. I do
1: when I can hold myself to it. Yeah. It's, um, intermittent fasting. I'm mostly meatless. Um, I can't say that's hundred percent strict, but yeah, you know, it's everything in moderation. We just try to do, it's, uh, my father used to always say practice, not perfection. Yes. So,
0: yes. And yeah. now you mentioned that you're in Boston. So are you going to go out and watch the marathon or are you running?
1: Oh yes. It's a, it's a holiday here. Um, especially for Knicks that it's an actual holiday, um, that we go out and we cheer people on, on the course. Um, i have born and raised in Boston. Absolutely love the Boston marathon. Oh, wow. I've only okay. had it once. Um, but yes, we will all, the whole Knicks team will be out on the, on the course. Different areas
0: or do you know which mile markers you're going to be at yet? Um,
1: so my sister-in-law and her husband this year are running, so oh. we'll probably pick a couple spots to go support them. But, um, always loved being at the finish line and just seeing the emotions as people finish yeah. again, whether like, you know, whether they're at the front of the pack or the back of the pack, it's just, it's always such a proud moment. I feel like I've probably broken into tears at the end of most of my marathons <laughs> out of sheer exhaustion or pride or, you know, whatever emotion is bubbling up in that moment. So done nine. I do. Usually love them. I've done nine. Total, yeah. I've done all the world majors, okay. um, which is a very proud moment. So I did my final major right before COVID, um, and then um, I've done New York twice. So that was that was added in there. My very first marathon was actually supposed to be New York in 2012, which New Yorkers yes. may remember was the year of Hurricane Sandy. Yes. So, um, definitely made the right call to cancel the marathon that year, but a bunch of us went up and ran in Manchester, New Hampshire. So I had a very odd, um, first marathon experience that probably I might've been a one and done marathoner if I had been able to do New York, but Manchester did not go well. It was not a race i trained for. We got guaranteed entry for New York the next year. And then yeah. before I knew it, I was kind of on a cascade of marathon after marathon,
0: I think that would have been what happened to me, but I did the New York city marathon in 2019 and then everything was yeah. canceled. And yeah. I actually, I remember like running through the finish line and being like, I'm never doing another marathon again. And <laughs> granted I've done like 70.3 triathlon. I've done a lot of half yeah. marathons. It was just like the hardest thing I'd ever done. And, yeah. and then like three days later I signed up for the New Jersey marathon. Cause I heard it was flat, and I wanted to qualify for Boston because it's the hardest race. Is it the hardest race, the hardest marathon? Or? Oh, I think
1: so. Yeah. I would certainly the hardest one I've done. Yeah. It's you know, there's also just such a legend around Boston, first of all, because it is such um, a high qualifying time. Um, and it is a limited field. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the the oldest marathon in the country. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, Boston's incredible. And it's just, it's a notoriously hard course because you're, you're net downhill for the first half. Um, and it just trashes your legs. And then it's sort of infamous that there's no shade anywhere on the course. Literally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's like my, like, I think that will be like my goal for it. I'm going to start getting back into marathon. I have to, I always feel like if I try something and I hate it, I have to do it at least two more times. It's really, (laughs) you know, ensure, because I feel like it wasn't, it's not a fair judgment, only doing something once, you know, you've got to do yeah. it a few times and then see if it's like, not going to stick or stick.
1: I but love that. I, love, I love that. There's like personal challenge in there.
0: Because every day is different, right? So you exactly. don't know how you're going to be on one day. Like, I, I feel like it's part of my don't give up strategy. And yeah. ask yourself why, right? Why didn't you like it? What was going on? Because everybody loves it. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going to go back. Yeah. but i'm going to be prepared cuz last time i started training in july and it was like not enough time for me cuz i'd never done that yeah. distance before but anyway and in the peak of heat
1: and do you do you focus do you feel like you focus more on you know a personal goal like a time goal or are you just picking races that you feel like are going to be epic experiences i think
0: i think it was uh it's a time goal yeah yeah but i mean i have a really great place to come from because I finished in like five hours and twenty minutes. So I have I can only improve. I mean from that time. So there you go. But I don't know. Would you do another marathon?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the the sort of pros and cons of having done all the world majors is that they've got um I think it's another two or maybe three that are now in consideration to be added to the world majors. So I sort of in my mind, it's already kind of a foregone conclusion that if I, if they add a seventh world major, then of course I've got to train for it and run it because I've already done the six. So, so that's already in my mind. And then there's just, there are other races that I just always thought, um, would be so much fun. Um, and would love to run one with my husband or my sister-in-law or other people. Maybe at some point, my stepdaughter would be amazing. So, Um, I'm sure I've got more marathons in me.
0: And you mentioned you had a child also, in addition to your stepdaughter during the pandemic or before? No, just the stepdaughter.
1: Um, she was, yep. She's 10 now. So we just, um, we've run a couple little fun runs together. She's kind of at 5k distance. Um, but it's been a blast. It's been a real blast.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool. I think there's something about
1: running a race with family also. That's very special. Very much so, especially my husband's not a runner, but he was a professional hockey player. And so in his extremely fit days, I mean, he still brags about how he used to be able to run a a sub six mile, which, of course, I would never be able to dream of on my best day.
0: Oh, my God. I take that as a
1: personal challenge.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Well, so are you doing any halves or any smaller races coming up?
1: Yeah, so it's funny actually a good portion of the next team is actually planning on a half marathon in May around that. We're a virtual team, but we're we come together once a quarter in person to sort of recap the quarter, set goals for the upcoming quarter, and it looks like a bunch of us are going to actually opt into a half marathon at that same time where we're coming together. So, I haven't done a half in a while. I feel like it's a perfect, you know, mid-distance for my next race.
0: I think it's great especially in business and having a company to encourage people and empower them to be Athletic. I mean, that's all I talk about on my LinkedIn (laughs) is how the parallels between entrepreneurship and athletics.
1: Oh, it's so true. We draw the parallel all the time about launch. You know, some people will joke that launch is like the finish line. Not even close. It's absolutely the starting line. And we're like, we're running the marathon now, right? Like, we're we're partway through the race. We're figuring out like how do we get through the uphills and the downhills and the strategy of it all, but. I think, you know, especially at Next, we definitely have a team that's disproportionately comprised of athletes, not all endurance athletes, but athletes of all kinds of different flavors, because not only do we feel like that helps to really understand who we're building the product for, um, but as a virtual company, I mean, you know, athletes tend to be self-starters. They tend to be very self-driven. And if you're in a virtual company, like that's who we all need to be right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's smart. Just the mindset of an athlete is is very different than Someone who's not an athlete.
1: No, I think that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely true, whether it's about being self-driven or pushing through um, adversity or whatever the case may be. And
0: then having athletics and wellness accessible in the workplace – I think it's great that you're doing that as well, even though the workplace is virtual. Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, we also, again, it helps that we're a virtual company. But I think we also try to, um, if if we are able to recruit and retain a group of um, sort of self-driven individuals. We also encourage that flexibility that if you want to go for a workout in the middle of the day, then absolutely you should go do that. Or if you're somebody that likes to run at you know, nine o'clock in the morning, then, you know, maybe your hours are just shifted and you're, you know, you work from 10 to six or, right. or whatever the case may be. So we definitely encourage that sort of, you know, personal responsibility and accountability, which, you know, if you've hired an athlete, then it's already kind of plugged in.
0: Yeah. Nix Hydration Biosensors just launched. It was December or January, December, December, yeah, December. But when did you start the company
1: <laughs> years ago? <laughs> we were adamant that we were going to get it right and not launch before we felt like, you know, we we're saying earlier, if you've understood the problem that you're trying to solve and then your responsibility is then to go engineer the perfect fit solution part of that perfect fit we felt was, um, accessibility, usability, but, um, part of accessibility in my opinion is also price. And it's just, it's a personal philosophy of mine that if you've built a product that is brilliant from an engineering perspective, but it's not affordable to the masses, Mm -hmm. you're just not going to be able to scale that product. You're not going to be able to impact all the people that you want to be able to reach. And so, um, we did a lot of iteration over those years developing the product to make sure that we were not compromising on um, the cost that it was going to make, you know, cost to us, for example, to manufacture so that we could sell it at a reasonable price. And I think I'm really proud of where we came out on that. But, it, you know, it takes some time, especially with a product like ours, where you've got a physical component, a software component, a data science component, yeah. and we of built three products in one.
0: I also think you nailed it on that. Obviously, you know that. But I mean, you know, the price of the NYX hydration biosensor off the top of my head, I don't remember. What is it? Yeah, forever.
1: 129 for the starter pack.
0: You know, that's like way less expensive than a watch or a lot of products yeah. out there. And it's, it's like you can have it forever and just continue to update yeah. and check your hydration. So it's like an investment in your health. Yeah. So I love that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. That was very much the intent is like, yeah. how do we make sure that this is on the lower, you know, sort of cost side so that we can, you know, support as many athletes as possible.
0: Yeah. How are you growing Nix? Because I know right now you are super focused in the endurance sports landscape.
1: That's right. Yep. So we are very focused on the endurance landscape. We are mostly just selling through e-commerce. We do have a little bit of a, a retail practice through like running specialty type stores, but really, the growth is we're trying to be as organic about it as possible and okay. really partnering. I think we were saying earlier, like meeting the athletes where they already are. So, if that means partnering with Garmin and Strava and Training Peaks and Koros um, and Wahoo, like, you know, really meeting the customer, the athlete where they already are with partnerships with brands they already trust and really just trying to make it easy and seamless to add this brand new metric into a routine that they already have. So that's pretty much what that growth strategy looks like. And then in the meantime, while we're focused on commercializing and growing our our impact there, we're also doing research pilots with all of those other user types that we were hinting at. Team sports, military, laborers. Um, Those are incredibly interesting to us because we're learning more and more about the need case, which, of course, for football players, maybe a little different than a firefighter is a little bit different from a soldier on active duty. And how they think about leveraging that data, the really interesting part being endurance athlete is typically monitoring themselves, um, any of those other segments, it's usually one central person monitoring a whole team or group right. full of people. Um, so just thinking about, thinking through the details there where somebody's consuming that data in real time about somebody else.
0: You guys could create a dashboard that's exactly. like a custom dashboard for teams where the coach could monitor it
1: that's exactly right and that way being able to see you know the differences between athlete one and athlete 12 um, but also getting notifications and alerts if any of those athletes are kind of getting into an unsafe range
0: are professional athletes able to wear your products in races?
1: Currently, yes. I think this is a very interesting and controversial topic that's, that's relevant across every sport, right? Again, whether you're an endurance athlete or you're an NFL athlete or an NBA athlete, this is a a very interesting topic of conversation. I think the simplicity in our product is we are not a medical device. We are not, um, as many of these devices that have been disqualified are, um, we are considered a wellness device. So similar to wearing, you know, a device that's tracking your sleep or your, you know, step count or something inert like that, um, there is not really deemed to be any sort of biochemical, uh, sort of advantage that one athlete is going to have over another, um, is that real? I mean, I would argue if somebody has dialed in their hydration and has quantified the fluid and electrolyte needs that they're going to have on a given day, I think that absolutely gives you the opportunity to enhance your performance. But as of right now, it's not a banned product in any way. And hopefully it stays that way.
0: Do you have to, when developing this, and and I know that you work with a lot of professional triathletes, Like, do you need to approach USA Triathlon or Ironman or UCI or any of these places and get some kind of approval or
1: it's a great question right now. We don't, um, we do actually have a partnership with USA triathlon on the marketing side and obviously working with a lot of the athletes, um, within USAT, but, um, no, it's, it's really, you know, predominantly we're working with athletes in training anyway. So in a lot of cases, and even with our, you know, our partners in the NHL and the NFL, like those are not being worn in game situations. These are typically, you know. In training, exactly. In training and then also in exploratory situations where in many cases it's being worn out of season to just get familiar with the technology and do these research pilots and these validation pilots. But you know what? It's one of these things where we've always sort of said we don't need to be involved. Similarly, how we were saying before, we don't need to be involved in the in the policymaking about what's allowable and what's not. Even if it's only wearable in training, we have algorithms in our platform that are going to track that sweat profile history along with the environment throughout that training situation, such that when race day comes, if for whatever reason you can't or don't want to wear it, um, you'll still have a prediction of your fluid and electrolyte needs on that day, given the weather.
0: Right. And it's way better than not knowing anything, which was before Nix Hydration Biosensor.
1: Absolutely. There is a huge body of literature suggesting that if you rely on thirst, you are only replenishing 50% of the fluids that you've lost. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. I mean, and so many people just don't naturally, I mean, pro athletes are trained to drink, but for age groupers or for everyday recreational runners or cyclists, it's very easy to not feel like you're thirsty and to keep, Going and just, you know, some people think it's cool not to drink water or, or, you know, replenish carbohydrates. So, I mean, there's always that. So,
1: yeah. I mean, that last point is really astute. I mean, that is probably the thing that we find. So, there's a couple key things that people react to when they use the platform for the first time. The first one is that we quantify the concentration of sweat in the context of a list of popular beverages. So many people don't realize that when we think about beverages other than water, which of course has zero electrolytes, um, there's a whole range of different concentrations of these brands. Like Morton has 12 milligrams of electrolytes per ounce, whereas Scratch's new formulation, Hyper, which has the, you know, the hyperhydration um, has over 125 milligrams of electrolytes per ounce. So that's a 10 X range. Yes. In this range of beverages that, you know, you go to your local running store or you go online, how are you supposed to pick which brand is for you? Nix is now offering data to suggest this specific, you know, formulation may be best optimized. So that's really one of the first things that people are reacting to when they use the platform.
0: Yeah, I saw that in the app. I thought it was great. You know, I thought you had a, a very comprehensive list of brands and detailed and something for everyone.
1: Yeah. yeah. And hopefully folks will realize as well that it's, you know, we're not um, we're really not trying to funnel people toward any one of those yeah. brands. Like we are completely agnostic with respect to brand. We're there to let you know what your data looks like and how to use that in making a, the best decision for yourself.
0: Yeah. And the, I mean, and they're also different. So now when you're not working or working out. What are you watching on Netflix or what are you reading? Like are you not, maybe not Netflix, any of the million platforms and channels out there? Like, what do you do in your other time for entertainment?
1: Oh, gosh, definitely watch, you know, certain shows that, you know, my husband and I are addicted to um, really liked Yellowstone in 1923. Those were great shows. Um, I do try to read a lot. Obviously, I don't always have a ton of time, um, but I always try to have at least one fiction and one nonfiction book going at a time. Um, Typically, the nonfiction is, you know, something work related. um, But I always really enjoy just like, you know, a page turner mystery thriller type just to sort of veg out um, at the end of the day. I don't really get to take vacation very often. But when I do, reading is always top of the priority list.
0: And do you have any great business advice for people that are looking to be pioneers or game changers and do something different?
1: You know, what's funny is so someone um, defined entrepreneurship to me recently as just somebody who's just serially solving problems. And I thought that was such an elegant way to think about it because it's so easy with the roller coaster of starting a business and the ups and downs, which are completely inevitable. It's so easy to get deflated and exhausted by it. But if you go into your day every single day, knowing that there's a list of problems that you need to solve, and sometimes those problems are really simple, like, you know, how do I find a tax accountant? And sometimes those problems are really, really complicated, whether they're technical or interpersonal. And if, again, if you go in every day thinking that's just my job, I'm here to solve problems all day long, then you're going to wake up every day inspired instead of deflated. That's great advice.
0: Uh, this is so uh, great. Thank you so much. I've had so much Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. In Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and MarnieSalop Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode. Links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways